Hey, David. Hey, Graham. I got a joke for you. Okay, great. Can't wait. What is the best website to find information about a DJ? DJinformation.com? No, it is Wiki Wiki Wikipedia. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty. Don't. Okay. What, what is it? Can you do the whole thing again for me there? I need to really be able to experience the whole thing. Just that you give just, me a number. Four, five, three. Oh, we have an audience here to help us with this one. The, uh, the average, um, lots of threes. Let's go 3.5 just because I'm feeling Thank magnanimous. Thank you. All right. How do you feel about that? It's fine. It wasn't good. <laughs> I did bad and I feel bad. That's what that is. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's see if I can do better. Now I'm a little bit nervous because this is a tough crowd. It's a really tough crowd. What do Vikings call the heathens who cut their hair? I, what? Barbarians. <laughs> that, okay, that's good. That's good. That's, um, what was mine? 3.5. What do you guys think of that one? Six. Oh, my goodness. Two, four. I'm done. I'm, go- I'm leaving. <laughs> All right, everybody seems to like yours. Uh, Guys, these are, these are not great jokes. Okay. Kate Albus is here to set the record straight, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kate. Hi. Can I get in on this? Yeah, but first I'm going to give you a, a, a five, David. Okay. Hey, thanks, Graham. All right, so, so Kate's here. She's telling us that our jokes are bad. And you think you can do better, Kate Albus? Well, I, I'm willing to try. Well, you know, that's the Yeah, let's hear this. Right, let's let's hear it. Here, let's hear okay. it. What did one snowman say to the other snowman? What? What? Do you smell carrots? <laughs> get out. Just go. Just get out of here. You know what? Enough of the nonsense. Let's get on with the nonsense. Welcome back to Withy Whimsical. Welcome back to Withy Windle, a whimsical interactive show for kids who love stories, words, and groan-worthy jokes, featuring your favorite authors and illustrators. It's part book club, part game show. It's an adventure through the wild world of wordplay. I'm David Kern, and I'm Graham Pittman, and we are here with a live bookshop studio audience. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who came out to spend a Saturday afternoon watching us talk into microphones for something that they can hear in a few days. For free. For Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so thank you for that. Thank you for your support. Coming up in a little bit, as you, as you just heard, we have a very special guest. Her name is Kate Alvis. She has a new book out, which we will tell everybody about in a little bit. But first, we've got the usual stuff. We're going to have crazy words. Mm-hmm. Can everyone give me their best crazy word? Not crazy words, but just say crazy words in a crazy way. That was crazy. Okay, we're going to have snack times. We are going to have a story time. We're going to have all of the Withy Window segments. Did you have something you wanted to say, though, Graham? I don't think so. Oh, you just looked like you wanted to say something. No, I don't. Okay. But thanks for the chance. <laughs> You're welcome. Before we do that, though, i got to tell everybody about... Our friends over at Waxwing Books, right? Has anybody checked out the new Waxwing Books yet that's in the the audience here? Yes! 
<laughs> There's a couple in the children's room back there if you want. But if you are looking for beautiful books that the whole family will love to read, look no further than Waxwing Books, the brand new boutique publishing house from Read Aloud Revival. It's a podcast and online community dedicated to helping both adults and kids fall in love with reading aloud. Waxwing publishes books for a wide range of ages containing illustrations you will want to look at longer than necessary. In fact, if somebody were to go in the back room right now and look at the illustration, then they would probably miss the whole episode. So let's wait till after the episode to go look at the pictures. The text in these books is delicious to read aloud. Have you ever thought about text being delicious before? No, I have now. I do like that use of the word delicious there, mm-hmm. but I'd never thought of words being delicious before. I, I imagine somebody thought hard about that. Yeah, that's good yeah. copy right there. Stories that pull both adults and children in and Waxwing's first two releases are a little more beautiful and while well, everyone is sleeping these are great books are you causing problems in the back there so <clears throat> you need to go buy a Waxwing book <laughs> <laughs> these are both written by Sarah McKenzie and have these beautiful illustrations they are available for purchase back there Mr. Watson but also at waxwingbooks.com that's how he got his shout out on Withy Window right there by messing up a live episode he didn't mess it up um yet yet if that's the beginning of things to come from Mr. Watson. Um, so thanks so much. Can everybody give Waxwing a public live thanks for sponsoring this season? I know that there's a lot of uh, people in this room who uh, love Sarah McKenzie, love the podcast and the work that they're doing over there. So thanks to them for sponsoring. So you guys, you, you probably heard he messed up the name of our podcast, which seems hilarious but he does it a lot. Um, and there was one episode where he called it Withy Windical, like, what, four times in a row? He's like, let me try at that least, again. At least. Withy Windical. Yeah. It's hard word to say quickly. Now, that brings us to snack time. Are you feeling hungry? Like, how are you feeling I, right now? I cannot wait. This, you know it's one of my favorite times. Okay, who's ready for snack time? <laughs> Who came hungry? People actually brought snacks. Okay, hold the hold hold the phone on those snacks because we might need them in a second. Do people still say hold the phone. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It just you know it's live. It's just, whatever you say can't be unheard by these people. Okay. So um, I brought the snacks this time. Yep. And um, you know we have had some feedback on our snacks. Maybe even the word is concern about. Us and our um, diets. I d- okay. Um, maybe a little bit of concern about the fact that we maybe are promoting, um, not just giving free advertising to uh, companies who create candy and other desserts, things that are bad for you, but also perhaps just encouraging children to eat the wrong things too much. So I've, I, I decided that this would be a good time to kind of shift gears on our snack time. And so I brought... I, I, I brought do not grapes. like... Oh, Okay. You want a grape? Yeah. Who likes grapes? I like grapes. Who likes grapes more than Skittles? Me. Uh, a few. Okay. So, are you a green grape or who's like a... interesting child? Is that? yeah. that's what I want to do. Yeah. Should we have her be the guest? <laughs> so, it wouldn't be a Withy Window episode if we don't chew into a microphone. So, what? Um, are you a green grape kind of guy or yeah. like a, or a red? A purple, red, whatever. I, I think a. I think the red ones. I like them both. I don't know. That's not an interesting answer, but I don't have a hot just, take. What's your? What do you like? I just don't want a grape to be soggy. I bet you like green grapes because you brought green ones. 
They just were the ones that didn't look. What are the? This so is argue. vegetable hour. I brought a vegetable tray. <laughs> Who likes sugar snap peas? Who likes them more than Skittles? <laughs> a few moms are like. <laughs> Any moms want some veggies? We got. Are you a raw broccoli kind of guy? I mean, I'll eat it. Is that? Try it. Who likes raw broccoli? Okay. Who likes it more than Skittles? <laughs> What's your favorite kind of candy? Do you like raw broccoli better than Twix? Yes. <laughs> okay, you really like raw broccoli. Carrots. Who likes carrots? My son loves carrots. Okay. Who dips carrots in ranch? Me. This is so good. This is the best snack time ever. You like ranch? What are you eating over there? It's carrots. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who likes celery? I don't know. I think we might have to stick with vegetables. Ooh. I think we might have to stick with vegetables. For... Kate, what are you doing? I'm trying to. I'm trying to be a positive influencer. Yeah, but raw broccoli. You don't want them? No. See, Kate gets it. Kate gets it. <laughs> All right. Whoa. All right, Kate. Tell us about this. These are burger cookies. Like hamburger cookies. Like hamburger cookies, except not. Because it's, I think it must be named after the people that make them because it's spelled B-E-R-G-E-R. -E -E they come out of Baltimore, and I brought them from home because I heard there was only going to be broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We all need to take one oh, of these. Oh, yeah. we got to try one. Okay. You know what? They're right. <laughs> Bob broccoli only goes so far on a podcast like this. I'm not okay. against broccoli, but... Go ahead and try one. Let's, let's all, well, oh, you've man. tried them before. I've tried them. All right, Graham, you ready? Yeah. Cheers. Oh, better than broccoli. <laughs> what do you think? It just tastes like a whole piece of fudge. <laughs> this There's is a cookie? There is a lot of fudge, and then what's this on the bottom? I think it's so just it's fudge it's on top. Like vanilla cookie with a whole bunch of chocolate on top of it. Which... And, and this is like a staple of Baltimore or the area? So you're like, you're eating your crab legs and then you have a quick one of yes, these on the side? Yeah, no, they come out of Baltimore and in Maryland, at least where I come from, you can get them in the grocery store. So that's what I did once I heard that you were going to be faced with nothing but broccoli. <laughs> well, good <laughs> work. There's carrots here and celery and tomatoes I and ranch dressing. absolutely support this. Are we going to eat all of these? Well, there looks like there's a lot. Would you guys like a cookie? Yeah. Okay, Kate, Kate, are you going to bring them around? Is that what yeah, you're going to do? Sure. All right, Kate's going to bring cookies around. And we're going to take a quick break, as we do here in Withy Windle. Um, and then we'll come back in just a second with Crazy Words. And we're back here on our live episode of Withy Windle. Kate Albus is sitting here at the table with us. Kate, welcome to the official Withy Wendell table. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. This is a total treat and also a teensy little bit scary. <laughs> I know. Look at all these <laughs> terrifying people. Um, <laughs> there's some cross eyes happening right now. Okay, so this next segment is called Crazy Words. <laughs> Can you do a good crazy words, Kate? You want to? Crazy words. All right. We talked a little bit before the episode. Who did? Everybody. Oh, okay. You were standing over there. I, okay, go ahead. And we talked about 
possible crazy words to use because I have a list. Now, the word that I settled on following that, that discussion is, uh, brouhaha, which if you can believe is a real word. That is, a, that is a crazy, a crazy sounding word. It's a good word. Brouhaha. Okay, Graham, this is how it works. Kate and Graham, you guys need to figure out what does it mean? And we got to just kind of get to the bottom of how this word came to be and why it's a part of our, of our language. All right, so I have an unfair disadvantage here because when I was in grad school, the coffee place that I went to every single day was called brouhaha, but spelled differently because you brew uh, your pun. coffee, so it was a pun. Mm. So I am familiar with the word brouhaha. Which means this is all on Graham. <laughs> Wait, no, this is but this is my perfect scenario. Well, what do you? Th- okay, <laughs> so, okay, so so, it has to do with, so you think it means it has to do with coffee? Kate is saying that it means coffee. No, no, she, it means no, she, it means funny coffee. Brouhaha. Mm, is that what you're saying? No. Oh, you're no. not saying that. Okay. No, I, I, well, I'll, I'll hold and let. So this is a word I know, and this is a word I feel like I knew better. 20 years ago. <laughs> How I'm, many people in this room have heard the word brouhaha? How many people are confident they have used this word in a sentence? Okay, a couple people are saying maybe. Okay. What is it? <laughs> people, Can now you Graham, define it? Graham needs some help now. A villain, a laughter of a villain? <laughs> I love that. I love okay, that. Okay. A villain laughing. I don't think it's that. Anybody else have any ideas what a brouhaha or uh, it is, and we will give the clue that it is a noun. Yes. Um, type of sword? That's a, that's a good one. Type of sword? It's not mm. a type of sword, but it's not not related. Eh, we'll come back to that. I think it's some sort of fancy sandal. It's a fancy, fancy sandal. sandal. These are good. Could we put the fancy sandal on the sword? It's like a Roman soldier's outfit. Yeah. Oh, like a fancy type of kick or punch. A fancy kick or punch? I think It's when a Viking <laughs> spills his coffee and everybody laughs at him. That is excellent. All right, do one more. Okay, one more. All right. A type of building. A type of building. What do you think, Graham? Well, uh, those are some very good guesses and suggestions. From what I remember, this is like you throw a brouhaha. Is that not right? It's like it's, a party? What do you think, Kate? I would have said, I'm trying not to look over your shoulder at the definition, yeah. but I would have said that it's like a, a disturbance. Like, uh, if, if you make a brouhaha out of something, then like a, like a tempest in a teapot or okay. something like that. Oh, yeah. but a commotion. Yes. Like a, okay. A brouhaha is a noisy and overexcited reaction or response to something. So here's what I think. For the next three seconds, you all should make a brouhaha. Go. So I'm right. That sounds like a party to me. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's not unrelated to that. So I feel like when I've heard that in relation to, like, people having a party, it's because the party has, like, gotten out of control. Like, they've done that. But where where does it come from? Is this... Yeah, let's talk about that now. What do you think? Where do you think this word comes from? Is that a German word? I would have gone German, and that's... Bruhaus? Bruhaus? It it is not German. Well, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> what, what era, what time of the universe's history do you think it comes from? 17th century. That is exactly correct. <gasps> 
German and 17th. 16th and 17th French. Okay, the French. Oh. Sorry, tell us, tell us. Okay, so, brouhaha is an exclamation used by characters representing the devil in 16th and 17th century plays. Okay. Beyond that, everything else, speculation, but they think that it comes from the Hebrew sentence, Baruch Haba, which means, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Whoa. So, brouhaha then entered uh, English more commonly in the 1800s. So that's when it started to be used more commonly, but it first appears in the 16th century in French, and they, so they think it might have come from the Hebrew. So how about that? That's a difficult one, but that's really fun. So use brouhaha in a sentence now. Uh, the brouhaha of this event... No, hold on. This crowd of people right here made such a brouhaha at the beginning... That my mind exploded. Okay, there you go. Kate, can you, can you give us a sentence? You're a professional writer, so no pressure or anything. I was blown away by the brouhaha that I just walked in on. <laughs> there we go. Nice. Well done, guys. Okay, well, that is crazy words. Can you give us crazy words? Can you give us your crazy words uh, soundbite again? Crazy words. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we are going to do story time. The brouhaha. All right, we are back, and it is time for story time. Uh, it's my week to bring a story, so so I did. Okay, I brought a story. Um, I have been in in you know keeping with my Viking themed season. I have been um, sharing stories from Dallaire's book of Norwegian folktales, and I'm going to do that once again. Have you guys ever seen this book before? All the Dallaire books are great. So this is called Per. Paul and Espen Cinderlad. So P-E-R, here's the names. P-E-R-P-A-A-L. Pal, maybe. Pal or Paul. How, how should I say that? Just P-A-A-L. What do you think? Pal? Paul. Paul? Paul. Paul. I, Paul. Yeah. Okay. I'm and, making that up. Okay. And Je- Jeremy. Jeremy. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a man who had three sons. Per... Jeremy and Espen Cinderlad. No, Paul and Espen Cinderlad. But besides these three sons, the man had nothing. For he hadn't one penny to rub against another. Mm. Out of curiosity, do people rub pennies against one another? I, I imagine, does that make him feel richer? Yeah. You just, like, if you, yeah. And so he told his sons over and over again, they must go out into the world and try to earn their bread. For there at home, there was nothing to be looked for but starving to death, which also seems to be the Watsons' plan. Because based on them walking from Asheville or the mountains and then having to be fed here, you know, that seemed just going out on a limb there. Now, a bit off the man's cottage was the king's farm. And just again, the king's windows, a great oak had sprung up. Just for the record, that's not actually their plan. I just want it to be known that I was just making that up. They, they take care of their children which was so stout and big that it took away all the light from the king's house. The king had said he would give many, many dollars to the man who could fell the oak, but no one was man enough for that. Kate, do you think Graham's man enough to fell a tree? Certainly. That was well probably the right answer. Uh, It's the wrong answer, but (laughs) I appreciate the confidence. This oak sounds enormous. 
So no one was man enough for that. For as soon as ever one chip of the oak's trunk flew off, two grew in its stead. Oh. The king also wanted to have a well dug that would hold water all through the year, for all his neighbors had wells, but he hadn't any, and he thought that a shame. So the king said he would give anyone who could dig him such a well as would hold water through the whole year, both money and goods. But no one could do it. For the king's farm lay high, high up on a hill, as king's farms typically are, and they hadn't dug a few inches before they came upon the living rock. But as the king had set his heart on having these two things done, he had it given out far and wide in all the churches of his kingdom that he who could fell the big oak in the king's courtyard and get him a well that would hold water the whole year round should have the princess and half the kingdom. Well, you may easily know there was many a man who came to try his luck, but for all their hacking and hewing and all their digging and delving, it was no good. The oak got bigger and stouter at every stroke, and the rock didn't get softer either. So one day, the three brothers thought they'd set off and try it too. And their father, he, well, he hadn't a word against it, for even if they didn't win the princess in half the kingdom, they might get a place somewhere with a good master, and that was all he wanted. So when the brothers said they thought of going to the king's court, their father said yes at once. So Purr and Jeremy and Espen Cinderlad went off. They hadn't gone far before they came to a fir wood. And up a lo- I almost said far wood, but it definitely says fir, like the fir tree. And up along one side of it rose a steep hillside. And then they heard something hewing and hacking away up on the hill. I wonder now what it is that's hewing away up yonder, said Espen Cinderlad. <laughs> I love this. You're always so clever with your wonderings, you, said Purr. <laughs> what wonder is it, pray, that a woodcutter should stand and hack up on a hillside? Still, I'd like to see what it is, after all, said Cinderlad, and up he went. And I don't exactly know why these Norwegian guys have like a mildly southern accent, but, you know. I like that. Oh, if you're such a child, twill do you good to learn to walk, too, bawled out his brothers after him. But Espen didn't care for what they said. He climbed the steep hillside toward where the noise came, and when he came there, he saw that it was an axe that stood hacking and hewing all of itself at the trunk of a fir. Good day, <laughs> said Espen Cinderlad. So you stand here all alone and hew? Now, this is the weirdest part of Wait, all. Wait, he's asking the axe that? Yeah. Um, yes, <laughs> here I've stood and hewed and hacked a long, long time waiting for you, said the axe. Oh. So that's, you know, pretty weird. Well, here I am at last, said Espen, as he took the axe, pulled it off its haft. Do you guys know what a haft is? Pulled it off its haft? Yeah. Do you know what a haft is, Kate? I'm assuming it's like the, the, thing, the handle, right? Well, it's related. I guess so. It says pulled it off its haft and stuffed both head and haft into his knapsack, so it must yeah. be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Axe head and the axe. So this is an axe that can speak and hew all of itself and also fit in his knapsack. So there's something going on here. So when he got down again to his brothers, they began to jeer and laugh at him. And now, what funny thing was it? You stopped yonder on the hillside, they said. Oh, it was only the axe we heard, said Espen. When they'd gone a bit further, they came under a steep spur of rock, and up there they heard something digging and shoveling. I wonder now, said Espen, what it is digging and shoveling up yonder at the top of the rock. You're always so clever with your wonderings, you, said Paul, (laughs) as if you'd never heard a woodpecker hacking and pecking at a hollow tree. Well, but I I think it would be a piece of fun just to see what it is anyway, 
said Espen, and so he set off to climb the rock, while the others laughed and made game of him. But he didn't care for that. Up he climbed, and when he got near the top, it was a spade that stood there digging and delving. So what do you think he said? Hello? Say it. Good day, said Espen Cinderlad. So you stand here all alone and dig and delve? Okay, what's a spade sound like? Yeah, that's what I do, <laughs> said the spade. And that's what I've done this many a long day, waiting for you, and I'm going to have an impossible time keeping track of these voices that I'm doing. <laughs> well, here I am, said Cinderlad, Cinderlad again as he took the spade and knocked it off its handle and put it into his knapsack and then went down again to his brothers. And I think that about confirms that that other word meant handle. So good job, Kate. Well, what was it so rare and strange that you saw up there at the top of the rock, said Purr and, pa and Pal. Oh, it wasn't very much. It was only the spade we heard, said Espen. So they went on again a good bit till they came to a brook. They were thirsty, all three, after their long walk, and so they lay down beside the brook to have a drink. I wonder now, said Espen, where does all this water comes from? Graham, what do you think his brother said? Good day. No. Oh, sorry. Uh, he said, well, aren't you clever with your wonderings? <laughs> no, actually, he said, I wonder if you're right in your head. <laughs> if you're not mad already, you'll be mad very soon with all these wonderings. Where the brook comes from. Have you never heard how water rises from a spring in the earth? It's a legitimate question. Yeah, but still, I I'd like to see where this brook comes from, said Espen. So up alongside the brook he went, in spite of all that his brothers bawled after him. Nothing could stop him. On he went. So as he went up and up, the brook got smaller and smaller. And at last, a little way farther on, he saw a great walnut. And out of that, the water trickled. Mm. What's he say? Good night. Good day. I thought he might want to mix it up. So I, you lie okay. here and trickle and run down all by yourself? Kate, you want to be the walnut? Yes, I do, said the walnut. And here have I trickled and run this many a long day waiting for you. Well, here I am, said Cinderlad. And I lost my place. As he took <laughs> up a lump of moss and plugged up the hole that the water might not run, mightn't run out. You know, we don't use contractions like that enough anymore, do we? Mightn't. It's a pity. Yeah. You did just say it's, but you know. <laughs> then he put the walnut into his knapsack and ran down to his brother's. Well, now, said Purr and Paul, have you found out where the water comes from? A rare sight that must have been. Oh, after all, it was only a hole it ran out of, said Espen. And so the others laughed and made game of him again, but Espen Cinderlad didn't mind a bit after that. After all, I had the fun of seeing it, said he. Would you like to finish the story for us, Kate? Oh, no pressure. Even though you've never read it, it's just another page or so. Okay, okay, okay. All right, okay. I just thought, you, you know, we've got, we've got an author here as a guest, so I thought it might be fun to put her on the spot and make her do some work. <laughs> All right. Is this where we are? When, is that... Yeah, when they've gone a okay. bit farther. When they had gone a bit farther, they came to the king's farm. But as everyone in the kingdom had heard how they might win the princess and half the realm if they could only fell the big oak and dig the king's well, so many had come to try their luck that the oak was now twice as stout and big as it had been at first. For two chips grew for every one they hewed out with their axes, as I dare say you all bear in mind. So the king had now laid it down as a punishment that if anyone tried and couldn't fell the oak, he should be put on a barren island and both his ears were to be clipped off. Whoa. Mm. No. That seems harsh. So you have to be a real man and also 
brave. But you get your own <laughs> island. <That's> so <laughs> I don't know. It's, that is maybe the most grandma thing I've ever heard you say. That's, and if you're alone on the island, I guess there's not really that much. There's nobody to listen to. So. Yeah. And you're building okay. equity on it if you want to sell nice. it later. I don't know. But the two brothers didn't let themselves be scared by that. They were quite sure they could fell the oak. And Purr, as he was eldest, was to try his hand first. Mm. But it went with him, as with all the rest who had hewn at the oak, for every chip he cut out, two grew in its place. So the king's men seized him and clipped off both his ears and put him out on the island. Gruesome. Yikes. Harsh. But he did say up front that was what was going to happen. I mean, so. he made it very clear. It's so true. you can't say he didn't warn him. It's true. Okay, now, Paul, he was to try his luck, but he fared just the same. When he had hewn two or three strokes, they began to see the oak grow. And so the king's men seized him, too, and clipped his ears and put him out on the island. And his ears they clipped closer because they said he ought to have taken a lesson from his brother. Fair. Yeah. I mean, Harsh, but maybe fair. Yeah. It's like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over. Right. Yeah. Watching yeah. your brother do something and, okay. Yeah. Now Espen's like a lad was to try. If you will look like a marked sheep, we're both ready. Is that what that says? If you will look like a marked sheep... Huh? Oh, yeah. That's weird. But the king's talking there. Okay. This is the king. It's kingly language. If yeah. <laughs> you will look like a marked sheep, we're quite ready to clip your ears at once, and then you'll save yourself <laughs> some bother, said the king. For he was angry with him for his brother's sake. Oh, so they clipped the ears on the sheep to mark that somebody owns them. Got it. That's okay. It. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. It would be fun to try anyway, said Espen. And so he got leave. He took his axe out of his knapsack and fitted it to its haft. That answers that question. <laughs> Hew away, said he to his axe, and away it hewed, making the chips fly again so that it wasn't long before down came the oak. Helps to have a magic axe. Mm -hmm. When that was done, Espen pulled out his spade and fitted it to its handle. Dig away, said he to the spade. And so the spade began to dig and delve till the earth and rock flew out in splinters. And so he had the well soon dug out, you may be sure. And when he had got it as big and deep as he chose, Espen Cinderlad took out his walnut and laid it in one corner of the well and pulled out the plug of moss. Trickle and run, said Espen. And so the nut trickled and ran till the water gushed out of the hole in a stream. And in a short time, the well was brimful. So Espen had felled the oak, which shaded the king's house, and dug a well in the courtyard. And so he got the princess and half the kingdom, as the king had said. But it was lucky for Purr and Paul that they had lost their ears. <laughs> Else they had heard each hour and day how everyone said that Espen Cinder Lad hadn't done so badly with his wondering after all. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the story of Purr and Jeremy and Espen Cinder Lad. Good job, here, guys. Um, we'll show, for the audience that's here, we'll just show this picture of them all watching the giant blade 
hewing, according to the illustrations of uh, Ingrid and Edgar Delaire. Oh, I like oh, that. Chugga, 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 chugga. Illustrations. That's yeah. cool. This is a great book. That I love kid, that king with his mouth agape. It's just like, oh. what? What do you guys say we give Kate a hand for reading that on the spur of the moment? Do you have any comments on this one? No. Have you ever wanted to go into forestry? Yeah. <laughs> Most times, about hour seven of looking at my computer, I'm ready to go into forestry every day, yes. Our friend Jake is here. Jake, on the list of top five things in your, in your uh, favorite things in, in the world, where does a hewing, hewing of a tree land for you? Number one. Number one. Just, number one for him. With Hew a, a tree. Yeah. yeah. I think we should start referring to it as hewing. Hewing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was story time. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere, though, this time. Who wants to hear from Kate Alvis? Okay. All right. Okay. We are back. It's time for our conversation with our author. Before we get to that, though, we do need to remind people about the costume contest that is going on right now. Now, there's a holiday coming up. Do you remember which one it is? Uh, next week? Yeah. Uh, well, like tomorrow, technically, when this is being recorded. <laughs> oh, aired. Yeah. tomorrow? Yeah. Tomorrow's Halloween. <laughs> it's Halloween. Yeah, you're yeah. right. When it's Halloween, you have to dress up, right? So if you're looking for a costume idea, our friends over at the Cersei Press have a contest for you because they have a new book that is Aesop's Fables, which Graham and I did have played a small part in. Uh, it's full of wise birds, sneaky foxes, foolish children, and uh, there's a fun costume contest. So if you dress up as one of the characters in this book, then post a picture on social media or email it in. Uh, if you post on social media, tag it with Cersei Press. If you email it, Graham, what's the email? Uh, podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. That's right. Then you can be entered to win some books, and we're going to be choosing the um, the winners. The winners. So, yeah. Three winners. Three winners. Yeah. Graham likes to sign these books in fun ways. He draws, puts little Yeah, I can't wait to see this one. So it'll be on pre-order. Maybe it's on pre-order now, but it it will be soon. Um, So there'll be three three winners. Um, So this book will be coming out soon. You can pre-order it if you want, but also it's, you know, dress up as a sneaky fox or or a foolish child. (laughs) What's a foolish child costume? (laughs) Just yourself? I don't know. I want you know, to see like a. Let ju- that be something to think about between now and Halloween. What would it look like if I dressed up as a foolish child? I want to see like giant crow. A giant I think crow that one would be yeah, cool. That would be a good one. Yeah. That'd be that's a, that'd be a little creepy. Uh, or you could go out as a murderer of crows. Oh, with some friends. With some friends, yeah. yeah. Okay, so be sure to check that out and uh, let us know if if you dress up. Make sure to post or send us your picture. Thanks to Cersei for also helping sponsor. Okay, we are here now with Kate Albus. Kate has been on before. Kate, how's it going? Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This is um, this is beyond amazing for me. I'm gigantic fans of you guys and everything that you do. So thanks for having me back. And and with a whole room full of kids, this is fantastic. <laughs> Graham, don't forget to to slip her that twenty later for saying I will. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have lots of questions as usual. So we're just going to dig right in. Kids know by now that um, you know. Let's just let her talk about her first book. I mean, her second book. Right off the bat. Whoa. All just right. Just mix it up a little bit since we're here. So then we can just kind of go rapidly through the other questions. Okay. So your first book was A Place to Hang the Moon. And it's an amazing book. And I bet everybody in here has read it. And when the new book was coming out, 
that was one of those books that I heard from more people about like, when's it going to be in? When's it going to be in? Can I pre-order it than almost any book this year? So can you tell the kids who are at home or I guess in the room that don't know about that book, you know, like one to two minute little elevator pitch on that book? Yeah, sure. So Nothing Else But Miracles just came out last month and it is just like A Place to Hang the Moon. It is still historical fiction. It is still set in World War II, but this time in New York City. It is the story of 12-year-old Dory Byrne who finds out about a secret space in New York City and she and her brothers use it as a hideout while their dad is away fighting in the war. Um, and the fun, the fun thing about the secret space is that it is an actual real-life secret space that exists in New York City and that you can still visit. So... I'm sure we'll have questions. We'll, talk, we'll ask you more questions about this book, but it's, it's great and can't wait to talk about it. But there's actual, there's like truly important questions that we need to cover. As you know, you've been on the show before. I understand. I'm prepared. <laughs> now, we've recorded an interview with Andrew Peterson, which is going to be next week's conversation. And on that, we got a couple questions that I think for our returning guests, we wanted to bring into yeah. rotation. So it's not the same three Switching food ones. Yeah. Now, now I guess we do want to know, like, does your answer about Cheetos and Doritos stay, is it still the same or have you acquired a new taste for something since my then? Answer, I remember my answer from when you all interviewed me last time and my answer has stayed the same. My answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, just because we have a live audience here, I need to know. Just show of hands, no, a, 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 a rousing brouhaha if you're a Cheetos person. Over Doritos. Okay. Okay. A, an equally or more arousing brouhaha for Doritos. Okay. That was, that was pretty, that was pretty certain that Doritos, Doritos won there. That was way different than, I, I thought it would be like 60-40. 60-40? That was like an 80-20. 80-20 is your, your measurement of that? Okay. Mm. So yes. You you like you like them both. I love them both equally. Um, I was never. I can't remember if I told you guys this the last time, but I was never allowed to have Cheetos when I was a kid because I think that me and my brother would like end up with smearing our Cheeto hands on the back yeah. of the couch. Yeah. So I was never allowed to have them. So it's like one of those guilty pleasure foods that now I will eat whenever I get the chance. <laughs> yeah, that was the same for, like, I could have them, but my parents just had a very dark old couch. So they had kind of given up, like... <laughs> so by the time they got they rid like, of it, nah. it was just like, it would look like a tiger. Yeah, when we all moved out, they bought new furniture. We'll yeah, say that. As, yeah, every parent here understands. All right, we, uh, we got a, so here's a couple new food ones. Okay. okay. And this one comes from David. It's not that David, though. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe he has a different email. I have an alter ego that is also my same name. Okay. Fudgesicles or orange creamsicles? Fudgesicles, 100%. Oh, you, you do not like orange creamsicles. Do you want to go into this a little more? Like, that felt like you have something against, you had a bad experience or something. No, just, uh, there's something about the combination of citrus and cream in that way that I don't care for, I, I, which is weird. I generally don't discriminate against snacks ever in any capacity, but orange creamsicle, no thank you. Okay. I don't understand, but... Yeah. Um. <laughs> do I, because you know what my actual favorite dessert in the whole world is, is key lime pie, which is citrus and cream. So it yeah. makes no sense that I should be... Well, 
I just want to at least you admit and recognize that. It is, <laughs> about it is an inconsistency. Is do you like would you would you eat a key lime pie popsicle? Sure. Or does that sound but gross? There, but there's something Would you eat key lime pie yogurt? I would rather I think I'd rather eat key lime pie yogurt than a key lime pie popsicle. I think it's a texture thing. Okay. And then the artificiality. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, okay. Like the, I like the squishiness of okay. the pudding consistency. Got it. Okay. Yeah, you want the real thing. Anna wants to know, do you like chocolate or fruity candies more? Oh, fruity candies, 100%. Um, like jelly beans, gummy bears, um, skip, the aforementioned Skittles. Mm. German raspberries are oh, yeah. like my, uh. yeah. After, after, I was just saying, I went to World Market after listening to your podcast where you went to World Market, not to give another World Market commercial. It's fine. But, um, German raspberries was my go-to. That, okay. I, I also love those. They make me feel quite ill <laughs> after I eat like half a bag. But I, initially, I'm like, I love Let's this. move back a step. Let's take a step back. And actually, you know what? Let me, let's talk about this later. All right. If you're eating a half a bag of candy and you, yeah. This is a question from Gianna. Avocado or raisins? And again, I, I don't totally understand the categorization there, but what do you think? I would say I'm, I like them both, but if forced to choose, if I could only ever have one for the rest of my life, avocado. Avocado, okay. Who would choose avocado over raisins? Okay, all right. Most people, most people. Okay, all right. Does anybody just love raisins? They just love them? Okay. Okay. Nice. I like I, I like, like raisins. raisins. Yeah. yeah. I like raisins in cookies. You just don't hear about <laughs> cakes. Raisin needs like a new PR person to like be- make them seem cooler than they are because they're pretty good. They need like who's the um you like avocado? Is there is there someone who makes avocados cool? Yes. I guess Mexican food. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They have a lot of commercials. That's true. Raisin That's true. you don't see raisin commercials. I'm one of those people though who like again if you gave me a choice between a chocolate chip cookie and an oatmeal raisin cookie. I'd pick oatmeal raisin, which I think I'm probably in the minority on that. But I like oatmeal raisin. Oh, by the way, speaking of mm. cookies, we may have some cookies for you as you leave later made by uh, Graham's wife, Ashley. Yeah, not me. So Thank goodness. Yeah. Just yeah. wanted to mention that. Not for people who are listening. Unfortunately, people who are listening will have to go figure out how to get their own cookies. But Graham, what's next? You want to take one? Yeah, let's, let's move into some questions about uh, your new book. Uh, Gianna has a question. She asks... Um, for nothing but miracles, why did you choose the main characters' names to be named after the sea? You know, Fish, Dory, and Pike. Yeah, I wish that I had a good answer for that, other than it just sort of happened that way. I've been asked this question a lot, and it was something that kind of came to me. For some reason, Dory was always Dory from the very, very beginning. And so then when I was trying to name her brothers, it kind of made sense they would also have nautical names. I always thought of Dor- a dory as a kind of a little boat. Um, but when I went to actually look into nautical names, apparently the name Doris actually means gift of the sea. So that was, um, that was that the other names sort of followed from there, but not for any particular reason other than just it seemed like a good idea at the time. It made sense. <laughs> it felt right. Yeah. So we have a question here from... Um, Gianna, do you like your first book better or your second book better? <laughs> oh. oh, that is like asking, do I like my son better or my daughter better? You can answer that if you would like to get into <laughs> it. Yeah, <right. laughs> 
I would say, you know, I, I don't know that I could pick a favorite. I think I like them both, but in very different ways. I think they both gave me an opportunity to, um, to spend time in a place and time that fascinated me. Um, with A Place to Hang the Moon, I'd always been fascinated by the World War II evacuations in England. And so it was great fun to get to spend time in that world and um, do research about that world. And then um, Nothing Else But Miracles is set in a place that is very familiar to me. I grew up in, I grew up out just outside of New York City and I grew up on the stories that my dad and my grandmother would tell me about what New York City was like back in their day. Um, so it was great, good fun to get to research and spend time with, um, with that time period and to, to make up that kind of a world. So am I allowed to say that I love them both the same? We'll allow it. <laughs> uh, kind of along those same lines, we have uh, the same question asked slightly differently from three people. So Emily, Riley, and Eli. Um, they're asking, uh, both of your stories are placed during World War II. Um, that time period is not only fascinating, but also holds many seeds for good stories. But why did you choose this particular time period? You know, I, I, I at some point probably need to figure out how to write a story that isn't set during World War II. I do find it to be a, a totally fascinating time period and and like you said, a time period that you could certainly write a million stories about and a million probably have been written about um, about that time period. I think the thing that fascinates me about the era is the at least at least in my sense of what the time was like, it seems to me to be a time when people were willing to make sacrifices for the common good, when people were um, it, it was a time of great sacrifice and, um, particularly nothing else but miracles I wrote in during sort of the, the darkest time of the pandemic, um, honestly at a time when I felt like all the images that you would see on TV and on the news were a lot of images of people that weren't making decisions in the interest of the common good, that weren't sacrificing for the common good in in many areas of our world. And I think I kind of craved that. I think I kind of craved that sense of community and of willingness to do what was best for your neighbor or the person across the street or the person on the other side of town. So I think that's maybe what fascinates me the most about the era. Um, but again, I, I got to figure out how to write something that... <laughs> Maybe the twenties, like that, <laughs> like the sixteen twenties, or, <laughs> or like the twenties. Like, let's not like, go that far. Like Twenty A.D. Okay, Graham. Let's do a couple that are kind of like rapid fiery here, and then we'll come back around to some that are maybe a little more serious. So, Graham, I'm going to do like three in a row, and then I'll let you jump in with a couple. Okay? Sure. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. Answer this quickly. Is there going to be a sequel for this book? This is from Emily. But I have no news of such a thing. But if anybody knows anybody that has pull somewhere, sure, I'd love to write another one. (laughs) Okay. So you would do it? Totally. Okay. All right. Cats or dogs? Dogs. You have a dog? I do. She, we just, she 
We just had to put her down this oh. summer. It's okay that you asked the question. I love dogs. Cats make me itchy. Otherwise, I would totally love cats as well. But um, but cats make me itchy. So mm. I'm a dog person. Do you put them... This is from... Two people asked this question? Yeah, it might have something to do with their new book. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, of, of course. Zephyr and Savannah want to know, do you put the milk in before the cereal or the milk after the cereal? Oh, man. Um, you know what? I feel like this is not the first time I've been asked that question. And honestly, I didn't even know that it was possible to put the milk in before you put in the cereal. That's The thought literally never occurred to me that that, could that that was yeah, I mean it honestly sounds a little happen. psychopathic to me but but also <laughs> I definitely put it on after cereal first then milk and I only put like the tiniest little bit of milk onto my cereal because I can't remember if I told you guys this the last time it's a holdover from my grandma who was raised in the time of the depression and you never wanted to waste anything and so she used to if if I if there was milk left in the bottom of the cereal bowl after I was done eating, she used to make me drink it. And I always thought that was so super gross because I don't like like milk with chunks of stuff <laughs> in it. So even as an adult, even all these Oof. years later, I just like slightly dampen my cereal okay. so that there's no milk at the bottom of the bowl when I'm done. Um, so, but if that's the case, then you could either way would actually work. Either if way, if you put a lot of milk in and then you try to pour the cereal in, it's just going to splash milk. But if you only put a little bit of milk in and then you dump the cereal on top, then you're just basically eating then, dry yeah, cereal. Yeah, then, then your, the milk's buried. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's great. This is a great point. I'm really glad we talked about this. Um, okay. I, I have a question here from Anna. Do it. Um, you mentioned in your bio, I'm assuming your bio online or on the back of the book, that you have a dangerous pile of books on your bedside table. Uh, she wants to know what books are currently in that dangerous pile. So what are you reading right now? The, at last count, there were 70-something on the pile, and it's not Oh, so it's pile. dangerous because it's going to fall on oh, you. Oh, yeah, no, so it's physically dangerous. Ah. Like, my husband will actually say to me, at some point, you're going to, like, reach over in the middle of the night, and it's going to fall over, and it's going to be like a building collapsed on you. It's you're going to be buried like the milk at the bottom do of the you, cereal bowl. Do, do you need a bookshelf? Like, can we help you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We know where to get them. I agree. It's super weird. and But I, there's something very comforting to me about having just, it's like four or five stacks. And my kids would be horrified because somewhere in the middle of those stacks, there's a framed picture of my kids. But you totally can't see it because it's just surrounded by stacks of books. Can you think of one or two that you recently put on it or that you're most excited to read? Um, maybe that's just what's up. Or what's been there the longest. Yeah, what's, <laughs> what's been there the longest. That's really funny. Um, I did do sort of a culling recently okay. because it had reached the point where I couldn't turn the lamp on anymore because I couldn't get to the lamp. Um, there's, there's a, I know there's a book in there that's about, I think it's called Prairie Fires. It's about like the true life story of Laura Ingalls Wilder. Yeah. Um, I know that one's in there and it's been in there for a while. Um, oh, Octavia Butler, Kindred, mm -hmm. one that I've always meant to read. Mm -hmm. Um, you know what was in there for a long time that you guys are responsible for getting out was Anna Karenina. Anna oh. Karenina was on the, was on there for probably the better part of a decade. About that and, big. 
Was it the foundation of the stack? Yeah. Like, did I, it, I had to I had to remove the stack above it in pieces. Um, but yeah, close reads. Wait, wait did you read it? Did. Yes. Oh, okay. I okay. read it with okay. close reads, and that was what finally removed Anna Karenina from the stack. Here's a question from Cat. Uh, we loved a place to hang the moon, and we also read the Midnight Children by Dan Gaimanhart on your recommendation. So we'd love to know other books that you've loved. Uh, clearly, you have excellent taste. So, like, can you recommend one or two middle grade novels that are yeah. that are newer that you would rec- that people should read? Definitely. So, honestly, the my favorite, favorite, favorite middle grade novel that I've read this year is one that you all just talked to the author a couple weeks ago. The Eyes and the Impossible by oh, yeah. Beggars is one of my apps. I I I listened to it on audio and. Um, I laughed out loud. I cried my way through the end of that book. I just thought it was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I'm a gigantic Dave Eggers fan for everything he's ever written and done. Um, So highly recommend that one. Um, I love that somebody read The Midnight Children based on that recommendation because I do love that book. What else have I read recently that I've super loved? Oh, there was a um, a book that came out this year. Oh, am I going to get the title wrong? The Grace of Wild Things, which is an Anne of Green Gables sort of a, oh, yeah. a retelling of Anne of Green Gables. That's a, um, a Anne of Green Gables, but with magic. So, yeah, I like that one. Graham, you got one. We got a couple more, and then we can do our quiz. This is from Torin. Uh, she says, "I love your books." My question is, if you could travel back to any place in time, when would you travel to? And don't worry, you can come back. <laughs> let me guess, let me guess. 1942. <laughs> <laughs> See, oh gosh. Or maybe 45, right, when you're not in the yeah, middle of it. Yeah, I think maybe, although, yeah, I think maybe right afterwards, right after World War II would be, because I'm a big, gigantic chicken, and honestly, I think there it would have been terrifying. And I think that's one of the things that fascinates me about the time is, um, is what people lived through with such extraordinary grace and bravery. And so I think, but maybe right after the time when I didn't have to be so brave and gracious. How about that? <laughs> That's an acceptable answer. Now, you may have just noticed if you're in the audience that Graham and I started laughing <laughs> in the middle of that answer and pointing at one another because you just said something about being a big chicken. And uh, there's actually a question about chicken. And we're going to ask it now. Bring it on. Emmy or Emery. Is it Emmy or Emery? Was that a type? Uh, it's Emery. Emery wants to know, what is your favorite thing to get at Chick-fil-A and what's your favorite sauce? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is going to be a, a wildly unpopular answer. I've never been to Chick-fil-A. Okay, so we've somebody go get her Chick-fil-A for dinner. <laughs> Wait, hold really? I've never been to Chick-fil-A. Do they not have Chick-fil-A's in no, your part totally of the country? No, they have Chick-fil-A's in, in Maryland. The one that's nearest to my house... The line for the drive-thru is always like, uh, it's like 20 people long. Like, you'd have to wait in line for... It's so efficient. Once you get in it... Fast. Mm. My kids... It's not like a Withy Windle episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you will have to go there and experience how fast that line is and tell us what you like. What sauce do I need to request? Okay, let's, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Okay. Polynesian. Show your... Brouhaha for Polynesian. Bruhaha for Chick-fil-A sauce. Bruhaha! Any other options? Honey mustard. Honey mustard, okay. 
Any brouhaha for honey mustard? Okay. <laughs> sounds like it sounds like Chick Fil A sauce is the answer. And is Chick Fil A sauce like like ranch dressing kind of? Mm-mm. It's gross. <laughs> oh. No, it's it's more like a special sauce at a burger place, but it's like their version of it. Okay. It's orange. All right. All right. Ish. I'll report back. It's not really orange. What color is it? Yellow. Yellow. Ish. It's, it's just a like weird color. A warmer fall color. <laughs> It's like leaves have fallen off trees. You're, you're not selling it. It's, de- it's, it's delicious. Okay, let's, let's do our quiz. And then, we, and then we can come back to one or two more. You ready? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let me find it. Kate, we have a 98-page document. And but that's so because things you keep get lost. adding things to the same document. We have one master with the window document. That with all of every guest, every question, every quiz. I don't know why he does it this way, but at this point, you know. It Just seems simpler, but then I got to find what I'm doing. Whatever it takes. That's right. Okay, while you're looking, I'm going to ask her a question. I got it, but go ahead. Okay, there's a question here. Um, I don't, this one doesn't actually have a name pinned to it. Hmm. Was there a book or movie that inspired you to write this new book? And you can just keep it brief. <laughs> oh, it wasn't a book or a movie. It was a magazine article, actually. Oh, wow. I learned about the, um, I was just reading old magazine articles from the 1950s, you know, as one does. Right, yeah. Um, and um, I came upon one called Up in the Old Hotel, which is the real life story of this guy who found out about this secret space in New York City that you could only access via this creaky old hand pull elevator. And nobody had been brave enough to get into the creaky old hand pull elevator for like 30 something years. So nobody knew hmm. what was up on the, the third, fourth and fifth floor of this building until this writer, this writer, this magazine writer for the New Yorker decided to to get in there and, and go do it. So it was it was it's a good very, article. I've read that one. Yeah, yeah, good fun. Yeah, I think I remember when you were on last, which what eighteen months ago, something like that. You were talking about this, like how this is going to be your next book. Yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. exciting to see it out. Okay, are you ready for Graham's quiz? Mm, ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> Kate, do you remember last time you were on? Do you remember what quiz you had? I remember one of the questions. Okay. It was moon pies or the actual moon. What about it? Do you that remember? That was the question. That was it. Which that was, was it. <laughs> that sounds oh, it must about have right. been a moon quiz, that checks right? About, yeah, it must it have been. a place to hang the moon. Okay. Yeah. Moon related. I couldn't remember, but this I time. I chose moon pies over the actual moon. Was well, and then I don't she, remember this. And then she shows up with the Maryland moon pie. <laughs> yeah, so that checks out. Yeah. All right, I'm not asking you this week about the moon. This is the nothing else but the Kate Albus miracle quiz. Okay, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you questions about miracles oh, or miraculous goodness. things, okay? Or anything. Well, you'll see. You guys ready for this? All right, let's give Kate some encouragement. You, you guys know how hard these quizzes are. All right, Graham. That sounded encouraging, but you should be frightened. So, <laughs> all right. Question number one. Despite its name. The condiment Miracle Whip, a dressing that's like mayonnaise but isn't mayonnaise. Should have seen this one coming, I'm going to be honest. (laughs) 
doesn't actually do anything miraculous. However, their origin story is perhaps somewhat remarkable. The product was launched at a higher price point, more expensive than traditional mayonnaise at a time when most Americans were trying to cut their costs dramatically. But their strategy was incredibly successful. All right, so my question for you is what year was Miracle Whip first introduced into oh, American man. homes? Multiple Bingo. choice. Is it A, 1900, B, 1933, C, 1985, or D, this year, 2023? All right, I can narrow, I can narrow it down to two of them. It's got to be one of the first two because I remember I remember Miracle Whip as a child, and I gotta say I'm not a fan. Um, but it was very popular. No, they're never like, sponsoring. There were... <laughs> we can cut that out, David. In case we love Miracle Whip, I'm, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> no, let's just go all in and then go pro Duke's mayonnaise and then Duke's maybe won't. Anyway. Uh, so you're thinking it's it's been around for a long time. It's definitely one of the first two. So I'm going to go with the second one, 1930-something. 1933? That's my guess. This, Kate, this is probably the, I mean, this is an actual question and it's a difficult one and I did it first and you got it right. Right. So good work. Look, as you answer them right, the cheering is going to crescendo, and you're going to be feeling good about yourself. All right, all right, I'm in. Okay, question number two. I was just looking at number three. I don't remember writing it, so that'll be interesting to read it. Uh, all right, question number two. Miracle Max, played to perfection by Billy Crystal, in the William Goldman classic movie, The Princess Bride, is the bushy-haired, bushy-eyebrowed, and bushy-tongued miracle worker. Now, he revives our hero in this movie. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. Okay. He, oh, my sweet Wesley. He revives... <laughs> mm, you're going to get this one. <laughs> he revives our hero in the movie with one of the following things. You have to get this one. Uh, does he revive Wesley with a miracle balm made of wheatgrass? A miracle, oh, that was A. B, a miracle soup made from raspberries. C, a miracle pill coated in chocolate. Or D, a miracle hair gel made from Miracle Whip. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it full circle. Oh, this, yeah, this one, it's the, it's the pill with the pill coated in chocolate. I remember it because it was gigantic. It was like walnut size. You used and to I, stuff it down. Yes, yeah, yeah. And like I remember them the like open. coating it in the in in the yeah. That, oh, is that chocolate? One. Yeah, chocolate helps it go down. Yeah. So that's you that's got it. that correct. Do you remember how long you should wait? Right? Yeah, right. You, you have to wait. You're. You should. Uh, I forget. I for, But I remember the delivery. It at was least like, an hour. Wait yeah. At least an hour before yeah. you go swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> two for two, Kate. Question number three. The moringa tree, found in Southeast Asia, is also sometimes called the miracle tree, due to its high concentration of vitamins, oils, and antioxidants, found in 
almost all parts of it. Roots, bark, tree, or sorry. <laughs> Roots, bark, seeds, fruits, and leaves. People who eat regularly the Moringa speak about their energy levels rising and their mental clarity and even better eyesight. However, and perhaps ironically, the Moringa is also listed as an invasive species. So this contrast between something seemingly miraculous but also invasive got me thinking. So Kate, if you could choose one of the following miraculous things that also carries an invasive burden, which one are you choosing and why? Ooh. A, a Tinkerbell-like fairy who can allow you to fly, but also invades your pantry at all times. So food costs going up there. Uh, B, a gnome who gives you a gold coin every morning, but invades your privacy, always rummaging through your stuff. C, a wizard who gives you a charmed life, but invades your space never straying farther than six inches from you. Yeah, it's bad. If you're not here, you you can't see the face you just made. Or Definitely rule that one out. Carry on. Or D, an ogre who gives you shape-shifting abilities but invades your time. You have to listen to him talk about his screenplay for two hours every day. Oh. Can you say those again? (laughs) Uh, a fairy who invades your pantry but allows you to fly. Okay. A gnome who invades your privacy but gives you gold. You can skip the third one. She said no on that one. Or an ogre who lets you shapeshift but takes up a lot of your time every day. For many reasons, A, for sure. A, flying. Yeah. B, I'm, I, all those other things about having somebody up in your personal business <laughs> times all right that would be the worst that's out for huh? me okay. and and see i've got you know college age kids so i'm used to my pantry being raided that, <laughs> that would be no thing so kind of a okay. small price to pay for the flight totally. Okay. okay totally nice work what do you think david we'll accept it correct okay <laughs> all right three for three love question four <laughs> question four miracle on 34th street The beloved 1947 Christmas movie is a heartwarming tale of innocent faith, neighborliness, and the power of belief. It also is a movie with wonderful trivia attached to it. So I'm going to present you with three truths and one lie about Miracle on 34th Street. So can Kate spot this lie? A, it was ironically written by a man whose first name is Valentine. Okay. Christmas movie. Okay. Uh, B. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> the movie was originally released as The Big Heart in the okay. UK. Okay. C. The idea came to the writer of the movie while he was standing in line at a department store. Okay. Or D. Coca-Cola did an ad placement that contracted Santa to take a drink every 20 minutes of its product and then look at the camera and say, Mmm, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the last one it that and that was in the movie or like they yes, use it as an advertisement. Uh, I don't know. Okay, no, I shouldn't. It's not fair for me to be able to ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that one as the lie. You, yes, that's correct. That is a lie. <laughs> Good work. Four for four. <laughs> All right. Uh, Question number five. Five, you're in trouble. 
you're in trouble. Okay. Are you a sports person? Mm, no. Here we go. All right. Sometimes, this is question five, sometimes there are sports moments that are so incredible that the moment itself gets its own name. The helmet catch, goal of the century, the Philly special. These are just a few examples of this. Another one of these events happened in the winter of 1980 and is legend for any sports fan. It's called the Miracle on Ice. So, Kate, what does the Miracle on Ice refer to? Is it A, a 1980 Broncos-Packers NFL game where the Wisconsin field turned to a solid sheet of ice? Sounds about right. Is it B, the Winter Olympic hockey game where the United States beat the Soviet Union, who were the four-time reigning gold medalists? Is it C, a 1980 table, <laughs> table tennis tournament where Sven Iceman Jorgensen defeated Bobby Kuchner, 22-0? to or was it D, a 1980 boxing match where Sugar Ray Leonard defeated Aaron Pryor despite wearing shoes made entirely of ice? Okay, don't answer it. Because we got to get some, we got to hear what the audience thinks here. So, as we read through them again, if you think it's one of these, brouhaha, okay? So, Graham, go through them again, and then we'll give Kate, we're going to give Kate some, some help. And we have, she has to decide to I'm go with you, you or to go with her gut. NFL game where the field turned to ice, it was so cold. Who thinks it's that one? That was a weak brouhaha. Not very brouhaha e. Was it a uh, Olympic hockey game? Yeah! Okay. All right. What do they know though? You know, you gotta you <laughs> right. gotta go with your gut. Uh, was it the table tennis tournament? Twenty-two to nothing. <laughs> All right. Or was it the boxing match? All right, so do you agree with the crowd here, or do you think... 100%, yes. All right, did they get it right? The hockey yeah, one. Yeah, you got All right. it. You got it. All right. Five for five. Did you know that ahead of time? Did you know that one? I, I wouldn't have... If you hadn't... If they were all... If com- it wasn't multiple choice, I wouldn't have gotten it. Mm. But the multiple choice sealed the deal. It can okay. help sometimes. Yeah, it yeah. can help. Good work. All right, is that the quiz? Thank Good you. work. Five that is five. it. Five for five. All right. Well, we have two more questions for you before we go. Most of the kids who are here and who are listening probably know what they are. So first, what is next for Kate Albus? And I don't mean like after this, but like, what what are you working on next? You know, I wish I had a good answer. Um, It's been such a whirlwind of good things with, with having two books out in the world when I never thought I would have even one. So... It's been a it's been kind of a whirlwind, and I I wish I had an answer for what I'm working on now. I think, you know, I was saying before I might have to back it up as far as the 1920s, and so <laughs> the one the idea I'm working on right now is set in the 20s, and it's set on an ocean liner, and um, and that's about all I've got. It may or may not involve like pickpockets and seances and. I don't know. Those are the things that are that I'm playing around with in my head right now. But um, I'm not trying to be like secretive or or cagey. I just really don't know right now. Okay. And then the last question for you is: What advice do you have for kids in this room and out in the world who want to be writers? Oh, I love that question. And the honest answer is: I think you all are probably already doing it because the honest answer is to read. 
Um, I've never taken a writing class other than like the stuff that I was forced to take when I was in school. Um, I think that you learn to be a writer by reading a lot. And it's by, by reading all the things that you start to get your own voice in your head. And I think the things that make you love a book as a reader are the same things that are going to make you love what you write as a writer. So read all the things. Um, but something tells me that with this audience, I probably don't even need to say that. I think <laughs> you're probably already doing it. That's Kate Albus, everybody. What do you say? A huge thank you to Kate Albus and a huge thank you to all the kids and the parents who came out for this live episode of Withy Windle. We had about, I don't know, maybe 60 or 70 people in the bookstore, which uh, is a lot of people. It was really fun to do. We had a great time. But we want to know what you think. Do you, did you guys like this format? Do you like a live episode like this? Um, if you say yes, maybe we'll try to do more of these. Maybe once a year, something like that, where we can all get together. Uh, so shoot us an email at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com and let us know what you thought. Now, David is not here right now. He is conspicuously absent. That is because he is finishing off that vegetable tray uh, and he's just shoving carrots in his mouth. No, that's not true. Uh, he might be munching on carrots, but he's also trying to get, you know, 60 people uh, out of, clear it out of the bookstore so uh, he can shut it down and start cleaning. Um, so I am going to do riddle time for you. So uh, if you remember last week, I offered a riddle um, where several people were drinking coffee and several people were drinking tea. And there was one person, uh, her name was Helen, uh, who came in the room and we needed to decide was she going to have coffee or was she going to have tea? The answer to that riddle is that Helen was going to drink coffee. And that is because if you write down the people's names, Steve, Elizabeth, and George, all of those people have two E's in their name. And those were the coffee drinkers. Coffee also has two E's in it. Helen also has two E's. So she is the one that's going to be drinking coffee. Uh, the other ones, Paul, Lewis, and Melissa, were drinking tea. They did not have two E's in their name. So this week, we have a riddle. It's a riddle about building. This riddle might be simpler than the last ones. I hope so. Those last ones were fairly tricky. But who knows? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's harder. I don't know. Anyway, this riddle involves a man named Clarence. And Clarence loves to build things. He sources all sorts of different material. And he, he you know, he's building uh, small things like playhouses, uh, uh, maybe some wooden furniture. But eventually, he wants to try his hand at some bigger projects. So Clarence, he finds these bricks, but not just any bricks for this house uh, that he's going to build. He finds red bricks. And so he takes these red bricks and he builds a red house. Then he decides, I want to build a yellow house next. So he finds yellow bricks and he uses those and builds a yellow house. 
The third project he wants to start is a greenhouse. The riddle is, this is your question. What did Clarence use to build the greenhouse? Seems simple. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But you'll need to figure this out. If you think you know what Clarence used to build the greenhouse, send us your answer at podcasts at goldberrybooks.com. And don't forget, we also want your stories. If you guys have been writing in any stories, send those in to us. Uh, We think, we're not quite sure, but we think we're going to try to feature some of those this season again, like we did last season, where we read them uh, on a special episode or maybe during the Question Palooza. Uh, and if we read your story, we'll also send you something. Maybe a poster, maybe a book. We're not quite sure just yet. All right. This was another episode of Withy Windle. We hope you had a great time. Happy reading. Goodbye. Goodbye.